Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as, or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. Greetings and salutations, 365ers. I want to welcome you to another Black Health 365 uh, podcast episode. I am Jackie Page, radio personality, as well as fitness coach, joined with my co-host. What's good, Jackie? 365ers. My name is Britt Daniels. As you know, your fit life coach, yogi, entrepreneur, and this is the Black Health 365, where it's our mission to be your champions of truth and change by providing y'all with personalized healthcare information from trusted professionals. We're here to make sure the Black community is thriving all year long. Miss Jackie Page, let's get into this thing. Yes, sir. How you doing today? Uh, I'm trying to maintain. There's a lot of things to to deal with, so we're trying to navigate and cruise, but it's all going to happen. We're walking in abundance. I hear that. I hear that. I need to start using that more often, walking in abundance. Um, As you can see, 365ers, um, we do have a guest today, and we are talking about um, diet culture in the Black community, as it is something that is rampant in the Black community. Joining us today is Dr. Ebony Butler. Uh, Dr. Ebony Butler is a licensed psychologist and food relationship strategist who has made it her mission to help women of color heal from food and body trauma experienced through diet culture. Dr. Ebony, how are you doing today? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. I am very much like Brit, trying to navigate all the things, juggle all the things. Uh, and I'm going to adopt that too. But I'm walking in abundance, so it's all going to get taken care of. <laughs> in so many yeah, ways, I, I feel like... Now, I was going to say, I need to do a better job of that. Like, I think we're all on the same page of like, we need to be walking a little bit more abundantly. And that abundance is already there, right? Like, you know, so many of what, so much of what we do now is successful in our careers. Us from five years ago, you know, we got everything that we want, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, what can we complain about? We just navigate where we need to and keep moving forward, hopefully with the space and support of those that care about us. So um, that's kind of what's going on in my life. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> sharing. That. That's what's up. Um, really excited about today's conversation. We're talking about diet culture and the Black community. But before we get there, 365ers, you know, we like, you know, find articles and reels and stuff and we got to bring it to the table because you got to know what's going on in the world. And I found an article recently um, about, and Dr. Ebony, I want to get your take on this, um, especially considering that we're going to be talking about diet culture. It was talking about some of the weird foods um, that's great for gut health. And one of the foods that came across, there were like four or five different foods. 
Um, half of them, I can't, no, one of them was like black rice. I didn't even know there was a such thing as black rice. Um, but one of them was black rice. And what was another, another one that stood out to me? Um, sardines. Um, those were two that really stuck out to me. Um, what are your thoughts on weird foods or sardines and black rice when it comes to gut health? Because those are two things that I think people don't necessarily think about. And I, to be completely honest, unless your gut is out the roof, nobody really thinks of like gut health, period. Which is why we would have never heard of these foods, right? If, and so when you're thinking about gut health, you're thinking about things that are going to uh, balance the the microbiomes uh, or the, the environment that's in your gut, the things that regulate mood, the things that regulate um, a lot of the other like nervous system things that happen as a result of your, your gut health, your organs regulating. So basically the article does what all the articles do is find the nutrients that are in these things that are going to impact positively the environment that you have going on in your, your gut, probiotics, prebiotics, that kind of thing. I don't personally eat sardines, but I do think that there are some nutrients in there that are super helpful. You got your omega-3s, all of the, you know, the, the good fatty stuff, the protein. So they're really good for you, I'm sure. And, and they've been around since the beginning of time, but it's not something that I'm willing to try. I'm gonna have to take another option. Doctor, for you, what are some foods that you do actively eat that um, that you consider as healthy for your gut biome? I know we have a full longer conversation about diet culture and everything. What are some good foods for you? So I don't spend a to be quite transparent and honest. I don't spend a lot of time like checking out which foods would help with this unless I have an issue, like Jackie said, right? Because one of the things that happens with diet culture that we'll get into is you start kind of not eating anything. You would be eating air. If you had to think about all the things that you should and should not be eating. So if there's a gut issue that's happening, if there's bloating that's happening, then I do go down a rabbit hole of what causes bloating. What do I need to stop eating from bloating? Or if I feel like my mood is being is off or something like that. And I know that that's gut health, my digestion, because your gut health is related to what happens in your brain. Like a lot of us experience things first in the gut and then that like all the nerves that there, then that impacts what happens in your brain, your mood, anxiety, a lot of that stuff that we don't know about. So I will start researching foods that impact anxiety. So you were talking about like cutting out caffeine, um, talking about some some uh, fibrous foods like uh, broccoli and things like that that are going to help with digestion and stuff like that. So it really just depends. For me, though, I actually love caffeine and I'm not willing to cut it out right now, but I do cut down. And so I'm willing to eat very, I think, basic in order to offset some of this stuff. So my diet is just a lot of protein that has been helpful with regulating my gut health and then regulating my mood. And then not not to mention, I eat carbs too, but I have to limit those. And we'll talk more about that. But when you start listening to your body and seeing how it's reacting and what, what it's telling you, you'll kind of decide what I need to eat, what, what works for me, what doesn't work for me. And a lot of teas. So I do teas in the evening. Well, Doctor, I, I appreciate all that. It's a great way just to open up the conversation. A lot of volume and wisdom in that. And speaking on diet culture, me and Jackie both being in the wellness space and me and Jackie also, you know, going through our own cycles of understanding nutrition and how to allocate that information to people. Um, this is the Black Health 365. And so much of what we do is about getting that personalized healthcare information to people. And it kind of leads us to our Dharma talk. Today's Dharma talk is about, you know, giving yourself permission to let others be there and support you and give you wisdom and listen to others. I think so much of the black culture is that we get caught up in our ways and our nose 
and that has led to the degradation of our bodies and our communities. And so I'm just so excited to see more people of color stepping into the spaces that you're stepping into, communicating in effective ways that's allowing us to enhance as a community. We need to give ourselves permission to listen to each other and learn to our bodies so that we can be effective agents of our own health. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's real. Um, Dr. Ebony, let's go ahead and hop into this conversation. Um, I feel like I have a lot of questions um, and a lot of things that I know, like I, just things that I want you to tell the 365ers that they just need to know when it comes to like dieting and dieting culture, especially in the Black community. Um, so let's kind of just start with the basic question. What exactly is diet culture? Okay. So we've all been born into diet culture. We live in diet culture. It, it is. It consumes us. It's it's a it's a real marker in our society. So basically, it's the the notion and the culture that um, your morals, who you are, your character is connected to what you eat and how you look. Right. So you're good if you eat a particular type of thing. Um, you're bad if you eat a particular type of thing. You look you're healthy if you look a particular type of way and you're unhealthy if you look another type of way. So basically we've developed a way of living. Culture is a way of living, a way of doing things. And we have developed a way of living and a way of doing things around dieting. So if you're saying things to yourself like, oh, I ate a pizza, I'm bad, or I ate a salad, I'm good. Or if you feel good, we're that's diet culture, right? That's the, the speak that we've learned, the things that we've uh, become kind of conditioned to believe about ourselves. We see it everywhere. If you go into the store and you see smaller sizes at the front, bigger sizes at the back, that's diet culture, right? If you think about the airplane seats that you ride in and having to pay extra for seats, that's diet culture, right? Um, theater seats, how big are they? And so everything has been shaped in our culture around straight size and it's not really inclusive. And a lot of that is, well, if you just shrink your body, you will be in the normal range of things, therefore the good range of things and therefore healthier. So this idea that a lot of um, small bodied uh, people are healthy and big body people are not healthy. So a lot of these these things that we see that are not true is diet culture. And a lot of that is harmful. I like that you pointed that out because that was actually going to be my next question. Like, where does this come from? But I don't even think that I realized that, like you said, plane seats, movie theater seats, a lot of what we see and a lot of what we're used to is proportion to, you know, smaller body people, even when you sit and think about like the BMI. Um, that's something that I think as a trainer and I'm actually in the process of I was gaining, trying to gain muscle. Now I'm kind of going down the scale um, to try to lean out a little bit. But just like looking at the BMI and seeing like, oh, well, I'm this weight, I'm overweight. But I'm like, I don't I, I'm not overweight. Like I just got muscle mass, like make it make sense. So I'm happy that you pointed that out because that literally was going to be my next question. Like, where does all of this come from? I can help. A lot of it is rooted. And, and this is what I do as a food relationship strategist, right? Which is why I don't identify as a food relationship coach or a weight loss coach, because a lot of what I do is educating and information providing and talking about ways that we can build a life that is in alignment with who we want to be and how we want to live and what feels healthy for us. Because whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. 
Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A lot of diet culture, believe it or not, is rooted in anti-blackness. So a lot of it has to do with race and how do we get so back in the day when there was this need to kind of like uplift white people to power or the white race to power, there was an inclusion or grouping of groups together that, you know, the Asians, Germans, at first it was nationalities, then it became about race. And so what way can we set ourselves apart? And so one of the things that happened is to start setting apart for black folks around how they look, how they eat, the behaviors, the culture. And so if we're, you know, us being grotesque, never being satiated. And so we think about Sarah Bartman and her body. Then we, and we know what she's the woman who was the black woman who was put on display as having a grotesque body, the big uh, bottom, that kind of thing. So if you think about the origins of a lot of this, the beauty standards have all come from this thing of how do we be more white European and not black? And how do we have less black bodies? And so when we think about who we want to be and how we want our bodies to be, a lot of that has been built on white standards white European standards. And so we think about where it comes from. It comes from, it comes from race. It's a race thing. I'm interested in hearing, and I'm, I'm so happy to hear all the things you're saying, how you as an individual found this career path. Yeah, so I, I was a weight loss coach. <laughs> so one of the things that happened is I come from, I'm from Mississippi. I born and raised, you know, all the things that they tell you about Mississippi is probably true. We eat good. You know, we have a good time and we also have a lot of health issues, but we also are impacted by a lot of systemic issues that people don't talk about. So I, I come from a larger family and then I went on a journey and lost weight. And at the time, that was my claim to fame. I was like, oh, I lost 50 pounds. I've kept it off. You know, all these things I did good. Right. Because I'm good because I was able to lose weight and then I kept it off. So that made me good. Um, and so I started to teach people how to do that because a lot of women would ask me, well, tell me what you did. And so with the psychology background, I would try to teach that and it just never felt aligned. It always felt like at the end of the day, I was telling people, well, as long as you're skinny, you're good. And I just didn't like that. And it, it didn't make sense to me, all the things that I was learning. Cause I did, I did, a, you know, I had my PhD, but I also did nutrition certification. And a lot of the things that were omitted out of basic diet was all the things that are ethnic and central to to our culture and basically if people eat that then you're bad and so my wheels started spinning and i was like well i'm being more and more of the problem with oppression if i'm telling people they just need to look better in order to be better also why is and so i just started to get real inquisitive why is kale okay but greens are bad why is oatmeal okay or bad, or right? why is rice bad, but why is good? Why is couscous okay, but rice is bad? So I started finding that a lot of the things that are central to our culture have been um, identified as bad. So I was like, I don't want anything to do with this wellness thing. I'm gonna carve out my own lane. I'm just gonna teach people. And I started reading books and things like that. And I can name the book if that's okay. Otherwise I can just tell y'all later. But I started reading books and it was t teaching me about the anti-blackness and the roots of diet culture. And I was like, okay, I can't continue to be a part of a problem, especially to women who look like me. So I started to heal myself. And therefore, when I, once I heal myself around fat phobia, diet culture, I was like, you know what? I don't want to put this on other people who look like me and tell them that they're not good enough because I'm just as much a part of the problem. And so I switched to just more education rather than telling people what they need to eat. Happy 62nd birthday, granddad. Thanks, sweetheart. I got you this. A mug. Oh, thank you. Uh, what does it say? 
Beware, if you are 60 or older, you may be at increased risk of hospitalization from RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, compared to adults younger than 60. Not all dangers come with warning labels. Talk to your pharmacist or doctor about getting vaccinated against RSV today. Learn more at bewareofrsv.com. Brought to you by Pfizer. How are your clients, how do they receive this information? Because again, you know, we just talked about how we are just given so much information about, you know, this is how you're supposed to look. This is what you're supposed to eat. So when you sit down with a client and they're like, hey, you know what? I'm trying to lose weight or I'm trying to get healthier. Um, how receptive are they to, you know, hearing this bit of new education that you're providing that they're not used to hearing? So when they hear it, I would imagine, you know, in my head, they're like, well, uh, that's not what I'm used to hearing. That's not the norm. Like, how, how do they respond to that? Some, for some people, it's validating. Some people, it's like, oh, I knew I wasn't crazy because I talk. We'll talk about the systemic issues that are there, like food deserts, scarcity, lack of education. You know, all those things, right? And so, when you talk about, it's not just your problem. You're not lazy. You're not unmotivated. You haven't had access to things, and sometimes when you don't have access, you're miseducated about what what your body needs. And Let's not talk about trauma. So when I bring trauma into the picture, because that's what I do as a psychologist, when I talk about trauma and the ways that trauma disrupts our ability to listen to our bodies, it feels validating to those people. There are times, though, when people give me pushback because it isn't what they're used to and it doesn't sit with their framework. And I get a lot of pushback from other professionals, too. So I will do speaking engagements where I'm talking to other professionals about how to be more cognizant of their own food biases and not to bring those in the therapy room with clients. And I do hear people push back because you have to understand change is uncomfortable for all of us. And to, to take in this new way of thinking, new way of thinking means that we have to tell the truth about some things that we were taught and that's not always easy for people. So it's easier to kind of get you to backtrack and say, make me believe what I already believe, confirm what I already believe is true than to say, oh, well, I got to start doing some things differently because what I was taught was not okay. And because we all still have some internalized fat phobia to some degree, it's harder to just say, oh, I can just let my body go. It's what people hear instead of let's think about what we've been taught and let's let's think about this from a critical lens. They hear, oh, you just want me to be fat. And then that becomes the argument. So it's hard, and but but change is hard for folks. And so I'm patient and understanding with that. And I understand that people just want to confirm what they already believe. Doctor, do you ever use the language of well, this is a lifestyle versus diet. Like, do you use, how, how do you feel about the term diet in itself? I used to use that term. I don't use lifestyle either because in a in a small way, I do think that the diet culture has used lifestyle changes to kind of gaslight people into dieting. And it's like, oh, this is a lifestyle change. And sometimes it's not a lifestyle change. It's just another diet. And, and, and sometimes to get people to do that, you have to say, well, make a lifestyle change. Well, is the system going to make a lifestyle change then? Are the things around me going to make a lifestyle change? Why do I need to make the lifestyle change and be the only one doing the change? So I don't talk a lot about lifestyle change. I instead talk more about alignment and values. What feels more aligned to you? What feels of value to you? What feels healthy to you? And sometimes that's rooted in diet culture because you can't escape it. It's around us all the time. Sometimes it's rooted in diet culture and sometimes it's not. So I take more of an approach of what is healthy to you and letting people define health on their own terms. Mm. I just felt like you took a whole entire mic and just dropped it. Like, honey, what we not about to do? No, but I, I actually, I, I love that. That's a point that you made is that 
And, you know, just kind of thinking about my own experience as a nutrition coach and as a personal trainer, I would have to agree with you. I feel like sometimes it is misused, the word lifestyle. It gets misused and it kind of just goes back to the whole dieting, yo-yo dieting situation. And it's just like, you know, you're not making a lifestyle change. You're literally just going back into it. Like your lifestyle has become a diet, the yo-yo diet. So like you diet, you lose the weight. And then 2.5 days later, you pick the weight back on and then your lifestyle is to pop back into this diet. Um, so, no, I really, really like that you said that. And it's just like a um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's like kind of, I guess, checking me like, you know, I, I need to be um, cognizant and, and a little more aware of when I use that word um, to make sure that I'm not using it in the terms of saying like, you know, you're going back and forth into a yo-yo dieting type of situation. So, um, no, thank you for pointing that out. Um, speaking of yo-yo diets, um, you know, how do your clients, how, how do you work with clients through the, through the yo-yo dieting and, and, and through the dieting to push them to a point where they, they see balance and they see what works best for them? Yeah. Part of the work is really identifying why people want to lose weight. You know, outside of the, you know, my doctor, like you said, my doctor told me I was overweight, but I'm not overweight or um, I want to feel prettier. And all of these things are valid. And I don't argue with people over that. Like it's valid. The world that we live in, you I can see why we're desperate to change our bodies, because the bodies that are changed and the body the bodies that are slim, those are the bodies that are accepted. Those are the bodies that are paid. Those are the bodies that are popular. So why not? And if you live in a society, like we said before, where plain seats, theater seats, clothing sizes are not made readily available to you, all people want to do every day of their lives is just be normal, be regular. And we live in a society where straight size is normal and regular. So I can see why people want to change that. So part of what we talk about is why. And if trauma is a part of that, or if I just want to feel good enough is a part of that, then we talk about how do we get there without changing your body to get there? Because we all know I, I've lost the weight. I have changed my body, changed my diet. Like I'm a person who loves fitness. I love working out. I was a bodybuilder before. Like I, I love doing all the things, right? So are we doing this because that's what you love? Or are we doing this to be good enough? And if we're doing it to be good enough, let's work on the part of you that's feeling like you're not good enough because we all know that even if you drop 20 pounds, you're still going to find another part of your body that's not good enough. And the issue is not your body, is that you don't feel good enough and you're trying to gain control over the parts of yourself that you can control, which is your body, right? So if we can work on what's causing you not to feel good enough, then maybe what we will see is that what you thought you needed to lose is not what you thought you needed to lose. Maybe it's not the whole 50 pounds. Maybe it's 20. Maybe it's 60. Like who knows what it is? But the the, the uh, goalpost begins to move based on how well and healthy you feel in your life. And if we're continuously chasing somebody else's standards, we're going to always be chasing. So we do a lot of mind work together first before we talk about like goal setting around weight. No, that, that's a great follow-up to, I mean, not only a great follow-up, but you already kind of answered it, is how do you help people heal through food that have diet trauma? You know, especially in the black community, we experience so much trauma and how do you communicate ways to help them work through that? Um, and I love how you brought up earlier about what are your values? What is in alignment with what you are? Um, Sometimes people can be not aligned in general. And so they have misconstrued values that affect them and the people around them. So how do you effectively communicate to them in a way that makes them feel seen, understood, uh, that can help benefit them? 
Um, so yeah, that, I love that you say you do a lot of mental work, psych psychological work with these people to help them do that healing. And that, that, that can't be easy, <laughs> I can imagine. It's not, it's not easy because we all just, at the end of the day, still want to be skinny. <laughs> And so at the end of the day, you'll still hear people say, well, I just want to be skinny. And, and that's a constant thing that you have to work on unlearning this idea that skinny is healthy, because a lot of the ways once you get down to it, some people that I work with are going about being skinny in very, very unhealthy ways. I know I did it, went about being skinny in very unhealthy ways to the point now where to answer your question, it's a bit of exposure therapy. What if you did eat after 7 p.m.? What, what does what comes up in your body? What does that feel like? Are you anxious? Do you judge? Does your stomach, does your gut, does your body give you feedback or do you feel fine? You know, and so what if you do eat bread? Do you feel bad? Do you feel guilty? Are you judging yourself? Does your body give you feedback or do you feel fine? What's happening with your digestive system when you eat meat? Because you'll just hear people going completely rule based and they'll say, well, I'm not eating this and I'm not eating that. And then you ask them why. And they say, well, that's what I was told I wasn't supposed to. And now I'm afraid. So a fear system has been set up in them where they are now afraid to eat for fear of being bad. And if anybody um, has experienced trauma, you're always trying to get away from that. I'm going to something bad. I'm bad. Something bad is going to happen to me kind of thing. You're kind of moving away from that. So you kind of do that in all realms of your life. And so when you kind of help people do exposure therapy type work or exposure exercises, you're asking them to sit with some things that have has previously and historically made them uncomfortable. So if you did not, and this is another example, if you did not bag up the food at the restaurant and then left out what goes on in your body, if you didn't eat all of the food on your plate and then also didn't take a to-go box, what comes up in your body? Or if you uh, said yes to pizza instead of no when you were with your friends because you were embarrassed, what would happen? So you're asking people to know whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Notice some things that they may not have noticed before to work through some fear responses or some irrational thoughts that they may have around food. Um, have you noticed that dieting leads to other kind of eating disorders? Is there a correlation with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the, the main issues with eating disorders is dieting because we're all trying to figure out what we can control and what we can manipulate. Eating disorders is rooted in a lot of times where people um anxiety and loss of control. So if I feel like there's something I'm losing control of externally, what are the things I can control? And for a lot of people, they can control what goes in their mouth, what goes in their bodies and how they look. So you'll see a lot of people begin to have, even if not the full blown eating disorder, disordered eating patterns, where they feel like they have to control certain things in order to fit within a certain range of goodness or uh, safeness. So a lot of times for folks, um, how their body looks is, is safe, is safety, whether that's really thin or whether that's gaining weight, sometimes it represents safety for them. So it's definitely connected. 
How do you deal with women who, because um, I've heard, I've, I've heard, I have a few friends who've had kids before, and um, you know, I they've had the child, and then you know, they kind of go into the shock of what their body looks like, and not really knowing what to eat or not, or what to eat and what not to eat because they don't want to gain any more weight. Um, how do you work with women who have? Um, who've had kids to kind of get away from this whole dieting uh, culture. And snapback culture, right? Of being back in their their clothes again. So again, it's a lot of mindset work. It's a lot of psychological work around what that means for you. But also we have to grieve, right? And so it's very valid what they're experiencing. People are grieving the bodies that they once had. And so it's a whole grief process. You're grieving the life that you once had. When people have babies, they don't feel like their bodies belong to them. So some of the work is around how do we start getting you back to feeling like you're in control of your body? And it's very hard when you've given birth or when you're still breastfeeding, when somebody is completely relying on your body, that's not you, right? It feels very hard. So we do a lot of work around how do we get you back to feeling like you are in control of your body? What helps you feel at home in your body? And so starting there, what we historically, historically have seen is like, you'll see practitioners and therapists kind of continue to jump to solution and problem solving. Like, okay, well, let's put you on a water diet. Let's put you on this and let's help you get the weight off. And for me, that just sends somebody back into, it can make them feel good like temporarily, but it sends them back into some of the same things of the yo-yo dieting and the, the cycles of let me get down and let me get this off of me so that I can be, be good enough. But if we talk about getting you back in your body, what does that now look like for you as a mom? Maybe the body that you had before was okay then. In this chapter, do you want that same body? Are you able to get that same body? Is your body giving you feedback that it can do the same things that it used to? So it's a lot of questioning around what feels healthy for you at this chapter in your life, rather than us trying to all get back to our high school sizes. I love so a conversation. That, yeah. that in this chapter of your life, um, because there are different seasons of our life that will call for what we consider our alignment and our values. You mentioned at one point in your life that you tampered with bodybuilding. And I assume at that time period, that was something that you were extremely passionate about. As, as we can all know, being in the fitness world, um, sometimes bodybuilding can incur a lot of those unhealthy habits, um, an, uh, an array of different disorders, right? With that being said, are there any trends trends in the dieting world that you may can kind of be on board with? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, and what are some things, some trends, some diets that we can, do, we can even name them that you're just like, yo, you should have been doing this. Yeah. So when I was doing the, the, the bodybuilding thing, that was definitely a phase of my life that I was like, how far can I push my body? For whatever reason, I was just like, how far can I push my body? But I was also doing all the things in high school. So I've always been a push the limit type of person. I danced, I played basketball, volleyball, like cheered all the things. Right. So how can I push my body even more. So and that just may be a part of me that's just extreme and just rooted in anxiety and acting out. I don't know what it is, but it was a, it was a phase and I liked it, right? What I did not like, and I have to be honest about this, is just how, how close you get to the edge of an eating disorder in bodybuilding, at least for me. So what I realized is that this isn't healthy for me to do um, because it pushes me close to the edge of disordered eating patterns where I'm severely restricting. I'm not listening to my body. My body is starving, but I'm not eating and I'm working out beyond any energy source that I have in my body. 
Right. And so what I realized is that that was no longer aligned with my values and I didn't value crying in the gym when I work out. So I was like, nope, not going to do that anymore. So that's why that's not something for me yet. I know. And I have friends who absolutely love it and I'm on board for them because they love it. But for me, my body was like, OK, we've done what we need to do and we're, we're out. So when I do kind of talk to people about things that they want to do, there are definitely some things I can get on board with. Again, it's, it goes back to why are you doing this? How long are you going to do this? And understanding the consequences and having realistic expectations around them. It's your body. You are allowed to do what you want with it. But don't go into this thinking that this is going to be the cure all for your depression or your sadness or your anxiety or your trauma. Or this is going to be the thing that gets that person back in your life because they left you. Right. Or this is going to be the thing that gets them to stay. So when, when people are coming in therapy, there are so many reasons why people want to manipulate their bodies. So if they tell me they want to lose weight, I'll say, OK, let's let's go. Let's do it. But also let's figure out why. And if we're doing this in, with the expectation that it's going to stay off long term or forever, then we probably don't need that expectation. So there are things I can get behind, like intermittent fasting. Um, there are things I can get behind, like um, carb cycling, you know, Pro map, macros, count macros and things like that. I love counting macros. Um, at least at one point in my life, I did. So I can get behind that stuff. What I can get behind is severe starvation. Never will I ever get behind somebody completely starving themselves for the sake of losing weight. So that's where I stand. I think that's good. I, I, I think that's that's good. That's solid. Um, what advice would you give to a 365er listening right now um, as far as having a healthy relationship with um, food and nutrition um, so that they're not dieting and, and yo-yo dieting so it, it's healthy and it's good? One of the things that I would say is first check in with yourself around what is healthy to you. Are you just using healthy as small or big or does healthy have a look no matter what size you are. You know, does healthy have a definition no matter what size you are? Would you be healthy if all your blood work came back? And would that be okay with you? If you're at the point where like, no, I don't really care about that. I just want to be small. I would ask you to check that. And then, then go into your values. Uh, let's take more of a values-based approach than a rule-based approach because rules always are what somebody else tells you is best for your life. And what I want people to know is that nobody knows what's best for your life than you. And part of recovering from trauma is getting your voice back and taking onus and ownership back of your body. And nobody knows that better than you. That's good. Um, doctor, we do this thing called uh, What's Your 365? And it's pretty much where... Uh, you an opportunity to leave the 365ers with um, a piece of advice or, you know, something pressing um, that you want them to take home, an actionable item even. Um, so what would you leave our 365ers today? One of the things that I love to tell people when we first meet, I do this with, with clients when they first come in. Everybody wants to leave and go do something immediately. Oh, well, I want to go. I want to go do this and I'm going to stop eating after seven or I'm going to going to listen to my body. What I ask you to do is just observe. A lot of times we are so ready to move and to take action and to problem solve that we aren't spending enough time slowing down, stopping ourselves in the moment. So what I would really encourage people to do is just go home, observe how you're showing up with yourself. Ask yourself who, what, when, where, how questions. What am I doing this for? If you are carrying around a gallon water jug, what am I doing this for? Where did I learn this? How does my body feel after drinking this much water? Does my body even like kale? What is my digestive system telling me? 
whose voice do I hear? So you're asking yourself questions and you're getting back to where a lot of this messaging is coming from. So you can begin to parse out and tease out what do I want to keep and what do I want to let go that no longer serves me? Because some of this stuff served us at one point and no longer serves our current lives. So you want to be sure to, to check in with yourself. Here at the Black 365, we're really big on that self-inventory checklist. And I love how you put that. Just close it out. That's what's up. Yeah, that was good right there. Um, you got to do that self-check, honey. Why are you doing this? The who, what, when, where, how, and why, 365ers. Um, Dr. Ebony, thank you so much for uh, just sitting down with us and talking about diet culture, especially in the Black community. It is a big thing that's happening, and it's something that needed to be addressed. So I'm happy that you were able to come on and, and chat with us. If people want to reach out to you on social media, they want to hit that follow button, where can they find you at? Definitely find me on Instagram. I spend way too much time on there. I'm Dr. Ebony online on Instagram, Twitter, X, Facebook. Um, all the things is Dr. Ebony online and I'm Dr. Ebony on TikTok and DrEbony.com is my website. 365ers, hit that follow button. And if you have something that you want us to address, hit us up on Instagram, Black Health 365. Black Health 365 is the handle. You can find me on social at Love Jackie Page. You can find me on all social media sites at properfitness.life. As always, 365ers, it is your responsibility to be an agent and advocate for your own health. Give yourself permission to receive and learn and grow from there. Peace and I'm staying love. Black Health 365 is an Urban One and Reach Media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels. Created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez. Executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell. Editing and production, Jahi Whitehead. Sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.